Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. So, my name is Heath. Um, Good morning. I'm sorry that we're not going to have service on the 26th. Um, We have, for the last eight years, uh, given our team one Sunday off a year to get a little rest. And what better time during this very chaotic season to do that? And so that's on the 26th. So your last time for this year to be with us, to worship with us, is next Sunday. Sad. But, get this, it sounds like for this whole year, it's just one week. We are back on the second. Uh, So we're in week two. Of Emmanuel, this idea of God with us. Here's this season that we're in that's very easy for us to forget the reason why we're doing what we're doing, the reason why we celebrate, the reason um, why we want to worship during the season. We can get so distracted with busyness. We can get so distracted with things and shopping and all these other things that at the end of our life, there's only one present and his name is Jesus, that's going to be remembered. Um, you may have fond memories of gifts that you've opened, but none of those still impact your life, uh, most likely. If I'm wrong, find me afterwards and tell me what that gift is so I can be corrected. But uh, my Sega Genesis is in the dump somewhere, for those that were alive in the 80s. And that's what you got one Christmas with Sonic the Hedgehog. For those that don't even know what a, Sonic, what a, a Sega Genesis is, it's a game system. Um, so last week we looked at this um, text that we're using as our um, series of this idea of Emmanuel, where it came from. And so last week we went through Isaiah, the end of 6 and the beginning of 7, up until he makes this proclamation. He plants this seed of hope that there will be a child born of a virgin, and he will be known as Emmanuel. And then fast forward 700 years. So that's one way to make it very difficult to see whether your prophetic words are going to come true if they're 700 years in the future. Um, People may have been like, what in the world was going on? in 700 years pass for this truth to come out. He shows us in this the extent that he's willing, and this is what we talked about last week, the extent that he's willing to pursue us. That God would literally put on flesh and show himself to us in person and would do all the things um, to make us even have the ability to connect with him. His willingness to make a way for a very broken people. And I, I hate to ruin your goodness, um, but we're really not that good of people. Uh, and if you think you're really that good of a person, um, you're probably deluding yourself. Um, and I'm not trying to be um, a downer. Uh, the truth is we need Jesus. And if we think we're good enough, we don't, we don't appreciate this idea that God had to come be with us in the flesh, go to the cross so that we could Know him and experience him. And he continues to show himself as a promise keeper. So today we'll unfold what it means to be, to have God with us and what it looks like to carry Christ within. 
So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to jump into a very familiar text that I'm going to try to convince you to not look at it in the lenses of the completed story. Because if you look at it in the completed story, you won't grasp the weight of what happens in this story. So let's pray. Dear me, Father, we just thank you. We thank you that at the perfect time you entered our world. And you have still been accomplishing this over and over again. You, you engage and encounter us when we desperately need you. And this morning, as we look at your story, as it is related into you becoming flesh and you becoming a child entering our world, Lord, I pray that you would show us how willing you are to be a God with us. And how interested you are that we not just acknowledge you, but Lord, that we carry you with us and all the implications that come along with that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're ever frustrated at God because he's being silent, um, let me just say that leading up to what we're getting ready to read, there was 500 years of silence. So your silence that you're experiencing isn't that long. So hang in there. So 500 years. So uh, we're going to primarily be in Matthew, but we're also, I'm going to read the account that's in Luke just because you get two different perspectives there. But it was primarily written to a Jewish audience. An audience that would remember the promise and that seed of hope that was planted in Isaiah. God taking 700 years to bring this word to plant it directly into our lives. So I'm going to encourage you, just like I said a second ago, to listen to the story of the, uh, not birth, we're going to talk about his birth next week, but Mary's encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you to not lose sight that this actually happened to someone. And not lose sight that, you know, we're like, oh, yes, we know the story. Yes, baby Jesus is coming. But take this a little personal. And what does it look like for God to come and ask something very, very difficult for you? And this is what we're going to we're going to I'm going to do my best to help us draw implications of what it means to literally carry Christ. Because if God is with us, that means he's with us. And what that looks like. So let's jump into Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed. And that means that she was promised to be married. Not married yet. To Joseph. And before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to jump into Luke chapter 1 verse 26 and pick up the story because there's the whole interaction with Mary there that will give us a little light into this. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. I don't know if you guys have had an encounter with an angel, but I haven't. But let me just tell you, if an angel appears, if you read the story from beginning to end, Old Testament, New New Testament, when an angel shows up, you aren't like, cool, 
This is great. You're following your face thinking, I am dead. Life is over. God has finally sent his messenger to just get rid of me. No, I mean, and this was it. And, and so the angel not only appears, but he speaks. And it's a good, he's a greeting, old favored one. The Lord is with you. I mean, like, even with those words, she's like, oh, my God. What's going on? But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She's like, oh, 500 years. So Mary was a good, faithful Jew that knew as much as her, she wasn't like a disciple in a sense that she wasn't um, learning. They were very aware of the story of God. And she was very aware that there had been 500 years that there were no prophets. There was no word of the Lord. And after 500 years of, of hearing, of no one hearing from the Lord, a four, most likely a 14 to 16 year old girl. I'm not even going to get into the implications of that. A girl. 14 to 16 years old, the first person that's hearing, actually she's the second, Zachariah was a dummy, and we're not going to get into his story. Uh, the angel appeared to him, and he's a learned man of God, and he's like, come on, how's this going to happen if God silenced him for nine months? So let's just, let's just be careful how we respond when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. But that's not today. But she is hearing from God. And through the angel, which was a primary way that God would speak, he would send his messengers and they would give a message. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid. There's a reason why almost every time an angel appears, he says, do not be afraid. (laughs) It's scary. Like we're so jaded with TV and movies that we think like, We'd be like looking behind the curtain like, okay, where's the 3D, like hologram, whatever. She was terrified. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. This is the promise throughout the old, whole, old, old, whole Old Testament. We're going, there will be a king again like David. That's one reason why you hear him. It's connected to David. That's one reason why we read last week when the king was literally treated the way he was treated just because of the favor that God had for David, his love for this king. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. There will be no end. And, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Okay, she is fully aware that there's something else needed for there to be a child. She's like, I'm not married yet. I'm betrothed to Joseph, who we're going to talk about in a second. We have not known each other, which is just a nice way of saying what you think it says. And the, the Holy Spirit, and I'm telling you, hearing this, imagine, imagine, 
Imagine ladies in the house, 14 years old, you're in high school and an angel of the Lord appears to you and tells you, hey, you're going to be with child. And he gives you this great testimony of what this child's going to do and what it's going to mean for the world. And then tells you how it's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And then this angel leaves. I would, I'm telling you, like, I'm not married, but if I was married, I'd be like, hey, Gabriel, can you, like, hang out with me for, like, a few months and, like, just stand beside me? And so when people are judging and people are saying, and I have a conversation with Joseph and my parents, that you can testify. He didn't, he didn't do that. He spoke the words to Mary and left. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. He will be called Holy, the Son of God. There's a whole reason for this virgin birth. Through the seed of Adam, through our parents, through our fathers, we're born into sin. Born. And for all those that are concerned about original sin and, um, you know, uh, us being sinful like Look at your children. And this is not a judgment on your children. And if I made eye contact with you, it wasn't on purpose. But have children. And you realize that they don't have to be taught to take something, to be selfish. They don't have to be taught to do all of these things, to disobey. It is in them. I remember our children, they would know the things that they shouldn't do. And half the time they would look back for those little kids when they know they're not supposed to touch stuff like stuff under the tree or plugs or whatever. They would get real close to it. <laughs> and maybe this is the one with conscience is yours just went and did it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I remember our children, they weren't allowed to go upstairs. And I don't remember which one it was, but they would get over to the stairs. We'd be watching them. And before they took a step onto the stairs... They'd look back. And then do it while they're looking at you. But there was a reason why this had to happen this way. But think about it. The Holy Spirit, through the angel, uh, has this conversation, tells her how great and marvelous it's going to be. Because this is how God comes with us, comes through us. And this is the way it's going to happen. And then the angel departs, leaving her. With this truth, which we're still thinking holistically of the whole story, and we're like, this works out. There's a reason why they talk so poorly about Jesus' lineage, the the Pharisees. Because this this was a known thing. This, This wasn't like, you had to deal with the implications of this. So we've got to stop looking at this as a finished story and think of it in the presence. There are lessons for us in the story of what God with us is going to mean to us. Verse 19, we're jumping back into Matthew. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and willing to, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. <clears throat> This is what he's doing to be, he, Joseph was a good man. And there, there wasn't a whole lot written about Joseph, but Joseph wasn't willing to do what he could have done. I mean, th- this could have ended in her death. This was the penalty for being 
betrothed to someone and getting pregnant by someone else. And could you imagine this conversation of her coming back and, and, and having to face to face with your future husband? Think about it. Put yourself in that room. Husbands that are married, could you imagine your wife coming up to you, you know, before the actual ceremony when you know that it is not yours and say, hey, hey, remember, 500 years of silence, an angel appeared to me. So how many right there are just out? You're like, nope, nope. So an angel appeared to me and he impregnated me. The Holy Spirit did. Not not the angel, the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Already, you're like, this lady's crazy. Where's this angel at? Did this angel leave you any proof? Did he write a signed Gabriel note? No. He leaves. And even being told this, he is unwilling to throw her under the bus. He's unwilling to do what he could have done. Because he was a good man. And and, and in this culture... If he would have married, like, let's just say that he just decided, like, I'm going to just hang in there and the the Holy Spirit didn't speak to him also, which he's getting ready to. There's this thing that, like, this would make me unclean. This, This would, not only has she been tainted now because she's with child, for me to participate in this would make me also. And so he's unwilling to do that and he because he was a good man. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Remember what we were just talking about a second ago? There's this whole knowledge. There's this whole understanding that out of David. And so he speaks to Joseph, connecting him to David. Because he's in the lineage of David. And he said, Joseph, son of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will, you will call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. And, I mean, can you imagine this? The, the Holy Spirit is talking to him in a dream. He's ready to dis, disconnect himself from his fiance because of sin. Because this is the view he had up until this point is like this was she engaged in some sinful activity because now she's with child. And he says, don't be afraid because what's going to come from him is going to save people from their sin. In verse 22, and it says, and this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. 700 years before. Here's the fulfillment of this. And I love how he's, the Holy Spirit's connecting to the truth that God has already delivered. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. How willing are we to obey the crazy things that God may ask us to do? 
We're still looking at this story through the lens of like, yes, God is doing this amazing thing. But imagine being the people because I believe God's going to put you in a position to make a decision when he begins to ask you to do things that you're like, I mean, you don't get any more uncomfortable than this. Whatever God asks you to do will be less uncomfortable than this. But I do believe that God is going to ask you to do uncomfortable things, whether it means um, loving your neighbors that don't deserve your love, whether it means serving the poor in our community when you're like, rather not, whether it means loving the imperfect person that he's put in your life, whether it means sacrificing all your hopes and desires to chase something that he's called you to. I mean, there, there, there's missionaries that are all over our world right now because they felt called by God to give up everything and go to another country and love people that weren't their people. And some of the countries that they're going into aren't easy. And so here's what I'd like to do in the last few minutes. I have three things. Not the only three things that you can learn from this, but I have three things that I think when we look at this idea of carrying Jesus, because that's a biblical idea in the New Testament, that he is in us, that God is with us. He didn't just depart. He literally, we have access to him right now through the Holy Spirit. So here's three things that I think we can glean from Mary. God's invitation to you is the same. Are you willing to carry in faith the treasure that is within you? We're literally called jars of clay, carrying this immeasurable treasure within us. And here's some things, and I'm going to tie almost all of these to being pregnant. For those that have been pregnant, um, you'll, you'll hopefully not be offended by me trying to make this connection. Um, I, I believe everything I'm going to say is, 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 is not bad for the men. Um, I'm sorry. You haven't carried a child, but um, I think you'll still understand. <clears throat> God with us will change you. Mary was changed. God being with us if we look at it through this lens of being pregnant, radically changes your life. And again, men, sorry, you only see it from the outside. Women that have experienced carrying a child, everything changes. Your body changes because this thing is growing inside of you. What you can do and can't do changes. It is the same as when Jesus comes in us, when we're living with the presence of God, there's things that we, we can't do anymore. Because you have this person inside of you. You know, not, not to tease Leslie, but I think, Leslie, if you're watching this, I'm sorry. Um, but Leslie decided to um, sprint in the hallway, which is really why uh, Theodore came a little early. Um, she thought in the ninth month of her pregnancy that she should run down the hallway. I, I was terrified when I walked in the hallway and see this sprint down. But there's certain things that you, 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 you probably shouldn't do anymore. And sprinting down the hallway uh, is one of those. Uh, Leslie, I love you. I'm sorry that I've used this. Um, but it changes you. 
It changes what you can do and what you're, what you're unwilling to do. It's the same thing with us as we carry Christ. It should change the things that we're doing because it's not just us anymore. We're not just carrying for our own physical body. We're carrying or caring for this other. See, Mary made this statement in Luke, which we didn't get to in verse 38. After the Holy, after Gabriel said all of these things that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon her, this was her response. If we could be as bold as this one statement, when God comes and says, hey, I, I want you to do this for me. And, and this is what she said in, in, in verse 38. He says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your will. You should write that verse in your house and in your car and everywhere that you go and just look at it. This is what Mary, when, when God presented her with a most challenging thing that she was going to do, this had never been done before. It was not like Mary was in a long line of those that the Holy Spirit had done this to them before. She wasn't the first of many virgins that carried the Messiah. She was the only one. And her response was, let it be according to your word. That should be the response that we have to what God's calling us to. The second thing, are you willing to carry, to say yes to God being with you? The second thing is carrying Christ will not always be comfortable or easy. Mothers in the room. Can I get an amen to that? Again, I, from the outside, my wife tells me all the time when I give advice uh, about anything, she's like, whoa, like just, you haven't been there, you don't know, so just roll it back. So I'm trying to be very obedient to that, but it's not uncomfortable or easy. Living a life for Jesus and and living for Jesus is not going to be easy or comfortable. But it's worth what comes from that discomfort. And this is really where I'm pushing for today and what we're going to talk about next week. And the last thing is that the fruit is worth the cost. What is produced by our obedience to Jesus being with us is worth whatever discomfort that we will experience. Listen to this in John sixteen twenty one. It says, when a woman gives birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being is being born into the world. Not that it's all forgotten. But what comes out of carrying Christ as we're relating it to carrying an actual child is the benefit. It made it all worth it. Seeing that little Baby, and for those that haven't seen Alan Leslie's little boy, he is super cute. He has more hair right now than any of my children had for the first like three years of their life. Super cute. But all of 
the struggle, all of the, the things that were having to be given up to carry this child, make it worth it in the fruit. The fruit of God with us is always in the end worth the struggle of caring. It is. And my challenge to you, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. My challenge to you during this season right now where God is asking us, reminding you. I want to be with you. The struggle that you're going through right now. The issues that you're dealing with right now can be resolved in an instant. And I don't mean removed. Because Mary, in her acceptance of what Gabriel said to her, in her statement, she still had to go through all the things that were going to come over the next nine months. But she was willing to do so. The fruit of what God wants to do in our lives is always going to be worth the struggle. And let me just tell you, there is no fruit without struggle. There is no fruit without struggle. You won't accomplish the thing that God has called you to do in ease or comfort. It just doesn't happen like that. But the end result of what God wants to do in you is worth the struggle. And I just encourage those in this room that literally are weighted down with the struggle, weighted down with the worry and fear. And I just want to tell you that Jesus is greater than those things. Jesus entered our world to resolve our issues. Mostly the issue that we need to be connected to God. There's this part of us that is longing and desiring to be connected to the one who created us. And Jesus fixes the issue. And he's inviting us into that. So this morning, I don't know where everyone is in this room. I don't know whether um, you're an outsider looking in and going, well, I'm not really sure about this whole Jesus thing. I'm not sure if you're in the room and be like, man, I'm just struggling with this idea because I'm really not living much of my life for Jesus. And how much of that should it be? And I just want to invite you into it. I'm going to be like Gabriel which I'm not. And I want to I declare to you that Jesus wants you. All of you. The broken. The hurting. He wants all of that. And he wants to lead you to life. But that only happens as we surrender to Jesus and trust him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you're standing in our lives right now asking, would you be willing to trust me with your life? Would you be willing to trust me with your future? 
So, Lord, help us answer that today. Lord, help us be willing to see that you are a good God that wants to lead us into life. And that life may not be easy, it may not be comfortable, but what you're doing with that life will be worth it in the end. And Lord, I pray that we would be people that respond like Mary. Let it be so, according to your word. Lord, I pray that we would be people that see the call that you've given for us to not only be connected, but to carry you inside of us. Lord, I pray that we would lay down our fears and our worries and our being overwhelmed and we would invite you into this mess. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us ears to hear you and respond when you call us into new things. When you tell us, hey, this is going to be our new life. This is what I need you to do. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and obedience to walk. Or let us carry you. Let, let the joy of your incarnation, you putting on flesh. Lord, I, would, I pray that we would see your sacrifice and your willingness to enter into our world. And we would be willing to stand confidently before you and say, God, I, I want to be yours. I want to be led by you. And so during this season, Lord, I pray that we would allow you to lead us and that we would see the fruit of a life of obedience. So, Lord, would you fill us this this season with your presence? Lord, would we be conscious of you as we go to bed at night, as we wake up in the morning, as we're going through our day? Lord, I pray that we'd be conscious of your presence. And I pray that your presence would change our lives. Lord, we want you. We need you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.